Well, praise God. Let's open our Bibles tonight to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. Chapter 3, verse 1. I want to ask you a question tonight. Do all have faith? Do all have faith? Everybody has faith in something. But not all have God kind of faith. Amen? So we want to find out how we can have faith, how we can avoid just being nominal Christians. God hasn't called you to just warm a seat. God hasn't called you to just show up. But thank God you show up. Don't let me don't let me make that to be small. I'm so glad you show up. <laughs> but God's called us to be supernatural warriors for Jesus. To be in the army of God to do something. You know what? My my daddy used to say this to me all the time when I was little. Because my daddy, I mean, he taught us, you know, we were to succeed, we were to be the best. You know, we were we were very poor. Well, I guess there was poorer people than us, but we we certainly uh, weren't just rolling in the money. But God had my daddy just teach us how to tithe, taught us how to just work hard. I mean, we were workers. We started reading some letters from my grandmother, from my mother to my grandmother, that uh, we found these letters. And my, I guess this is what my mother reported every week when she wrote her mother. Well, Gary's working this job and this job, and Linda's working this job and this job, and Stan's working this. We read this and went, we were just kids. Look at this. We were working. <laughs> but, you know, working hard's good, but having faith and working hard's better. Because faith is a work. It's a work of faith. It's a work. But it shouldn't be a toil and a labor because we're redeemed from that. Amen? It shouldn't be hard, but it is disciplined. So, 1 Thessalonians, Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica. And he says this, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us. How about that? Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, needed prayer. We all need prayer. Brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you. In other words, he's saying that when I came to preach at Thessalonica, the word spread rapidly. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Amen? This word is not supposed to be confined into four walls. Really, this is where we're supposed to come and get equipped. According to Ephesians, my job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. North America many times thinks that the pastor's job is to do the work of the ministry. If you ask them, what's he supposed to do or she's supposed to do? Well, they're supposed to do the work of the ministry. Absolutely not. Now, as a saint and a Christian, we do that too. But our job, our principal job, is to equip the saints. So, as we see in the Acts in the first church, what did they do? 
They said they needed to give themselves to prayer and to the study of the word. Because you can't equip somebody if you don't know. You ever think about the military? What if they had this sergeant, you know, uh, that just had all these new guys come out and he's, they all get issued guns. And he gets up and says, now I've never used one of these before. But I think you do it like this. I, you know, I wouldn't have much confidence in someone like that, would you? So we as Christians, you're all supposed to be discipling somebody. You're going to tell, you're going to teach somebody something, good or bad, you will. Somebody's going to follow what you say. So you need to know what you believe. You need to know that you have faith in what you believe. That you're not just a parrot that just squawks and says what someone else says. But you know that you know. It's wonderful when the Word of God gets down in your heart and you know that you know that you know that you know. That you know that you know that you know. That you know that you know. That you know. They can't get it out of you. Listen, when you know that you know, and you know that you know that you know, they can't get it out of you. They can't preach and say, you know what? Miracles have passed away. Well, you haven't been in our church. We see miracles all the time. Tongues are not for today. Our tongues are of the devil. Really? Well, let me just speak in tongues for a minute. You tell me. But if, you get, if you're just shaking, you don't know what you believe, I'm telling you, just the first little storm, you go, oh, I guess it doesn't work. You know, one, one woman came one time and she said, you know what, Pastor? She's talking to David. Pastor, we are doing everything right. Now, she, <laughs> we're doing everything right. And, and she named this situation. And we prayed, and it didn't work. So the word doesn't work. Well, for one thing, we knew that she wasn't doing everything right. I mean, it, it didn't take spiritual, like, God didn't have to reveal it to us. It was real obvious that there were some things in her life that needed to be changed. I don't know any of us that are doing everything right. Do you? I think Jesus is the only one that we know did everything right. And so if there is a, and I don't really like this terminology, but if there is a faith failure, it's not the word. It's not God. It's me or it's you. We have to say, what, what am I doing wrong? Because if it's not working, then I'm not working the word. Amen. So, praise the Lord. He said that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified. The word of the Lord is supposed to be glorified. Just as it did also with you. And that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men. For not all have faith. Now, we just said, well, yeah, everybody has some sort of faith. But he says, rescued from perverse and evil men. For not all have faith. Well, you understand, He's, he is acknowledging that perverse and wickedness doesn't go with faith. Amen? The God kind of faith. 
He's talking to believers here. He's writing to the church. He's not writing to the unbelievers. He's writing to the church. And he's really saying they don't have the God kind of faith. They don't have the faith that that you and I have. But it, listen, what he says is, he says that they get delivered or rescued. I think King James is delivered. This is rescued. Pray that we be rescued from perverse and evil men. Did Paul have a problem with perverse and evil men? <laughs> they were with him everywhere he went. I mean, he ne- he never went into a town and everybody went, Yay, Paul's here. No, it was usually he went into a town and they said, Paul's here, grab a rock, grab a boulder, kill him. But he kept on preaching. Even when he was in that filthy jail, prison, with his hands in stocks and his feet in the sewer and the rats chewing on him, he still said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So he's saying, but he's saying, I need prayer because there's evil and perverse men and I need to be rescued from them. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. In other words, now he's talking to us. He's talking to the church. He said, the Lord's faithful church. Maybe there are evil and perverse men. You know, you have people in your life that are evil and perverted. That you, you know, that you run into or that you come across or whatever. But he says, the Lord is faithful. And he said, he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. He's talking from experience. He's, he's been stoned to death, left for dead. And they left him out there outside the city. And the next day he walks in and preaches. Now, you would think, now, Paul. Don't you think you need to go to another town? They obviously don't want to hear what you have to say. But he had an assignment. So he's saying the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from perverse and evil men. From the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you. That you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into. Here's the key. The love of God. And to the steadfastness. Of Christ. You know, church, if we can get grounded, full of the love of God, and we can be steadfast in Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, if we can get to that place, then perverts and evil men won't bother us. The evil one won't touch us. But how do we get there? We must have faith. We cannot be like them that have no faith. Do all have faith? Not that kind of faith. So first of all, he requests for prayer. Why? That the word of the Lord would would spread rapidly. You know, we ought to still pray that too, right? The word of the Lord will spread rapidly in Lloydminster and in the Midwest region. Amen? Secondly, that they may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. Again, he he describes unreasonable and wicked, perverse and evil men as wicked. But he uh, describes them as having no faith. You know, there's people that can say they're people of faith that can be perverse and evil. 
That doesn't mean they are people of faith. They say they are. Uh, the Message Bible says, not all believers are believers. That's the truth, isn't it? Remember what Jesus said when he was getting ready to get raised up and go into heaven? This is so cool. You know, he's going to leave the guys and he's got them all gathered around. And he says in Mark 16, he says, and they that believe, just, we'll just look at it. Hold your place in, in Thessalonians there. Go to, go to uh, Mark 16. Praise the Lord. Verse 14 says, Afterward he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he reproached them. This is his last time to see them, and he gets on to them for what? Unbelief and hardness of heart. Have you ever had to leave your children like, you know, you got to go away, and like they do something really stupid right before you leave, and you got to discipline them? It's like, not now. I'm going to be gone. I don't want to spank you. I don't want to discipline you. But Jesus obviously didn't have a problem with that. Because he said he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. Now this is like 40 days later. It's not like the next day. Does he hold a grudge? No. He's trying to remind them that you guys have got to have faith. I'm leaving this thing with you. And I can't, I can't leave it if you still are in unbelief and your heart is still hardened. I can't do this. And then he says, I'm going to tell you what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to be in unbelief. You're supposed to be this. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. These signs will accompany those who believe. These signs shall accompany those who believe. So if you're a believer, then these signs shall accompany those who believe. Hallelujah. In my name, they will cast out demons. Oh, are we still casting out demons these days? Well, we better be because the demons are still here. Somebody better be able to cast them out. One woman said, she came to me and she said, um, I just don't want to do that. Well, I don't know anybody that just goes, yay, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. No, praise the Lord. The Bible says that we have authority. Amen? So we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be anxious. But we don't need to be devil hunters either. either demon hunters. I mean, we used to cast out demons out of chairs and dogs and cats. and We just, we just cast out everything. <laughs> it was crazy. We were ignorant. That's a nice word. But we, we, we just didn't want any demons in our church. Didn't want any demons in our house. Man, I went and cleaned out my mama's house. Now she, wasn't, she didn't believe things just like we did. So I went and got her a little 
fortune telling sticks and burned them and got her horoscope book, burned it, then went and got her country and western music. Then I was really in trouble. Because Porter Wagner and Dolly Parton, they were believers in my mama's eyes. I was in deep trouble. And I think there was an earnest tub in there somewhere. Y'all might not even know who those people are. But that's not wisdom. To go in somebody else's house and clean their house out of everything you think has a demon in it. Not smart. I just thought, surely she'd want to be free from this. She wanted to be free from me. (laughs) Well, praise the Lord. We grow in the things of God, right? They will speak with new tongues. Hallelujah. I know when I, I got saved, I had a friend that went to another denomination. They said, well, that just means you don't cuss anymore. Well, that's good news. But aren't we glad that it, we know it means something greater than that? That when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the Bible says that you will speak in a new tongue. You will speak in the language of God. In Romans eight twenty six, in groanings which cannot be uttered. When you know not how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays through you in groanings that cannot be uttered. That's good news. Believers need that, right? They will pick up serpents. Well, now we know there's churches that have serpent picking up services. That's just nutty. But that's something I probably would have done when I got saved. If they had suggested that's what we need to do, I would have done that. And I hate snakes. But if I thought that was what I was supposed to do, I would have done it. But thank God, I did ask about that. How come we believe in casting out demons? We believe in speaking in tongues. How come we're not picking up snakes like they are in Kentucky? And my my spiritual leader said, that says that you can if you need to, but you're not supposed to just go out and get them. Oh, praise the Lord. I like that. And if they drink any deadly poison, well, you're not supposed to go drink Kool-Aid that's poison. Even if the preacher says to do it. I never liked Kool-Aid anyway, so I don't think I would have liked it anyway. But you don't drink. You don't drink it to tempt God. Remember, Jesus said you should not tempt the Lord your God. So you don't go, well, I'm just going to see if I'm a true believer. I think I'll drink antifreeze tonight. No, you're stupid. Pardon. I mean, I shouldn't have said that like that. I don't mean you're, that's mean you're uninformed. It will not hurt them. Well, we've had that happen in our home and and my mama's home where things have been, uh, that we've drank something that was not it was not good or something. Uh, my mother drank some cleaning stuff, and she didn't know she got it mixed up, and she was a little confused. And she drank some cleaning something in the kitchen. I can't remember what it was. And you know, immediately she realized what she did, and she went right to the scripture and said, "It shall not harm me." Praise the Lord, Amen. You might have some testimonies like that too. And, it, and they will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. 
You know, believers, we're supposed to be laying hands on sick people and expecting them to recover. That's not just for certain people that have the gift. This is they that believe. There are people that have an anointing for healing. That's true. They have a gift of faith for healing. That's true. But this says, we believers shall lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. Well, that means I don't have power in my hands. You don't have power in your hands. But Jesus comes through our hands. We, You know the responsibility. Some people say, well, I don't want to do that because I did that and the person died. That's, you know what? I know that's not encouraging. That discourages you. But the problem is, if you think that it's your responsibility that they get healed, then you've got it wrong. My responsibility ends when I use my faith and I believe that when my hand touches his body, that the healing power of Jesus Christ goes through my hand into his body, effecting a healing and a cure. I lift my hand and I can walk away. And thank God, thank God it's done, thank God. But you know, the same thing is, he can do the same thing. He can take his hand, put it on my body. And his hand has the power of Jesus flowing through it. He can believe, use his faith, I use my faith. And power of God comes through that hand into my body to effect a healing and a cure. Why? Because he's a believer. We have kids in nursery laying hands. Listen, I loved it when my children laid their hands on me when I needed prayer when they were little bitty it doesn't say you have to be 12 or 14 says believers if they're a believer at two and a half they better get their hands on somebody because you know what they don't even have any doubt and unbelief they'll rebuke you for having it amen let them encourage them I had I remember and she probably doesn't remember this because they were little but my back was out. I knew my back was out, and I knew one leg was longer than the other because I knew my back had been twisted. And I, I sat in the kitchen, sat in the chair, and said, Liberty and Jonathan, come, pray for me. My leg would grow out. And that leg just went, poof, right out. And they just went back to playing like that's anything else. You know, let's go play. They had no doubt that that's okay. Why? Because they'd seen it. In church, people ought to be seeing God move in church. That's why when we, when people need their legs grown out or whatever, remember I say, if anybody wants to see this, come up. If you want to see a miracle, unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say that. That's it's God's business. But sometimes they don't get up here in fats because it just happens fast. But you know, I don't care. They can crowd around now. We just had a healing service in uh, in uh, Langley this week, and Sister uh, Copeland was preaching a healing school, and uh, they did something they don't normally do. They didn't have a healing line, which they normally do that, but God instructed differently. But as Brother Copeland was up proclaiming healing over the the people, there was a woman in a in a it was kind of like a wheelchair walker type thing. Anyway, she couldn't walk, and her 
it looked like her granddaughter, her daughter, somebody kin to her was with her. And I'm standing there because we're supposed to be interviewing people who get healed. That's what we're supposed to do. And anyway, I'm just standing there waiting for to see what's happening here. So I have my clipboard. I'm standing there. And I'm beside this woman, and I'm praying while they're doing this. I'm just praying. And this woman goes, woo, woo, woo. And her legs start shaking like this. She's going, woo, 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 woo. And I said, well, just get up. And she, she got up. And she started walking. And her, and her, uh, her, the girl that was with her was just looking at me, just smiling and just encouraging this woman. And this woman's, I mean, she, I mean, she wasn't walking like running. But she was walking. And she was happy. She was happy. Well, beside her was a, a man in a wheelchair, big old man. Well, he saw her. And he goes, ooh, ooh. And he starts going like this, ooh, ooh. And I said, get up. He gets up, and and he's got a girl with him, too, like a granddaughter or something, daughter. And she's just, I mean, she is praying in tongues. I mean, she's got it going. And so he starts walking. He's walking like this, and he steps on the television cable. Well, the cameraman looks at me, like, get him off the cable. And I'm going, I mean, the guy just got out of a wheelchair. What am I going to do? Can you hurry it up, man? You're on the cable. Like, I don't know what he expected, but I wasn't going to do nothing but believe God that that man was taking under. I figured, well, if he keeps walking, he's going to get over it. But Because his foot was right on the cable. And I'm just, come on, come on, come on. He put that other foot there. But this one's still back there. In Jesus' name, pick up that foot. And then his granddaughter, whoever it was, she stepped on it too, but I just thought, and the cameraman's looking at me like, you have to do something. And I'm going, hey, people, lame walking, I don't care. If you can't move your camera, I'm sorry, but this is just a little bit more big deal. And uh, I believe if you asked Brother Copeland, he would have agreed. And so the cool thing about it is that night, we're on the front row, and Brother Copeland gives an invitation for people to get born again. And right out, I hear, woo, woo, and I think, that's that woman. And she walked up, no walker, no wheelchair, no cane, nothing. She walks up and gets born again. Amen. Glory to God. Well, Nobody had to lay hands. They just spoke the word. That's what Jesus did too, right? Jesus healed people different ways. But you know what? Some people got offended. They, they, thought, they thought he should lay hands on them. Does that not sound like a person named Naaman the leper who thought that the prophet should come out and pray for him and the prophet just sent word and said, go wash in the river Jordan. Naaman's insulted because we have better rivers. <laughs> What a stupid thing. You're dying of leprosy and you just have a problem because we have better rivers in my place. The Jordan's dirty. But thank God for for people around him who said, if you'd asked your hard thing, would you have done it? Like, this isn't hard. Go dip in the Jordan seven times. But he wanted the prophet to come out because he was an important man. But Elijah didn't come out, did he? He sent word. 
See, you cannot get offended. I think I'm preaching on that Sunday, so I better not go there. Because I won't have I'd have to get another sermon, wouldn't I? Oh, it's come to that. I'd have to pray. Wow. <laughs> pray for me, church. <laughs> but but he said, not all have faith. But now Paul said, God's given to each man. In Romans 12, he says, each man's been given the measure of faith. Doesn't he say that? Well, what's he talking about? Let's go to Romans 12. Verse 1 says, Therefore I urge your brethren by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. I'm telling you, church, the churches today are conforming to the world. And it is not pleasing But it starts with people. Like a whole church isn't going to conform to the world if they don't have people that are already compromising. We are not of this world. We are supposed to not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So that you may prove, see you can't prove the will of God if you are in the world, you're thinking like the world, you're acting like the world, you won't know what the will of God is. You'll do something stupid. Ask me how I know. Been there done that. Because if we are thinking like the world, then we're thinking in a mammon system, we're not thinking kingdom thinking, we're not thinking like God thinks. You know, and, and the more you spend time with the world. Now, I know this sounds like, you know, let's go up and let's just get away from all these people. And I, I don't mean it to sound like that. But I'm talking about not conforming to it. You can, the Bible says we're in the world, but we're not of the world. There should be something different about you and I. We shouldn't, we shouldn't act like the world. You know, we were we were talking about the music during the minister's conference. And I had Jonathan explain some stuff that, that we've heard from the Spirit of the Lord regarding our our music. And and uh, and one of a leader of a, of a ministry in, in uh, the praise and worship in that ministry. I I don't I don't know if I have that quote with me. I wrote it down, but let me. It's I'm not quoting it exactly, but he said that. That now we have in churches taking, we're trying to please worldly people. So we bring that onto our praise and worship. And we really have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And it's not pleasing to either one. You're not making, the world's not happy with you and the Lord's not happy. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? That's why we made a decision, Lord. If we just have three songs we sing, we're going to please you. Our heart is to please you. We're going to worship you. It's all about you, Jesus. And if it doesn't please the people, that's really not our problem. It, we want it to please God. But you know what? If you're walking with God, it'll please you. You'll, you'll like it. 
because you like God. You know, it might not be your style. <laughs> we were talking in, in this last week, we were was with some of the leaders, and we were talking about some Christian hip-hop artists. Well, we were clueless. Like, we didn't even know. Well, you know, here's a name. And, well, they're a hip-hop artist, a Christian, and they love God, and they, you know, they, they really love God. Haven't you heard them, Brownie? Can't say that I have. Don't have any hip-hop on my iPod. Just in my style. But I'm glad it's there because it will reach some people who it is their style. Amen. But the clue is to keep it pure before the Lord. You know, it's not the style. God, you can have a country beat. You can have a contemporary beat. You can have a hymn beat. You can have a hip-hop beat. But still, number one, please God, keep the lyrics pure in the Word of God. Don't sing about us. Sing about him. And it's going to work out all right. Amen. So we have to be not conformed to this word, but be transformed so that you can prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. But to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Now let's go back and look at verse 1 to see who God has allotted to each a measure of faith. He says, therefore I urge you who? Brethren. That's the church. Today there's people that are just taking scriptures and it's like, well this doesn't apply to us and this doesn't apply to us and this doesn't. Listen, every word in this scripture is acceptable, is is from the mouth of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and is, is good for teaching and instruction. That's what the Word says. So, you can't just pick and choose. We can't be favorite word people. Oh, I'm a word person. No, you're a favorite word person. You know, I, I found out one time, I was reading my Bible, this is years ago. I was, you know, it's just regular day and I start reading my Bible but this is how I was reading it I was reading and then I go over here and read I was reading all the underlined scriptures because I liked them I wasn't reading context I was just oh I like that I'll read that and then I'd go to the next chapter oh that's underlined let me read that and then I realized this is not right this is, not, this is not how you study the Word. But now I find I want to underline the whole Bible. You know, it's like, oh, that's good. And then I look at it and I, you know, you go to my Ephesians and it's like the whole thing is underlined. So praise the Lord. The point is be transformed in your mind. Because anytime you're going to compromise the Word, it'll start in your mind. You'll think, well, it's not so bad. I think I can do this. If you start thinking, if if you have this thought, can I, can I get away with this? Uh, you need to just so, know right then, no. Because that's a wrong thought. We're not. We shouldn't live our life to see what we can get away with. We should live our life to please the Lord. What does God say? 
Amen. So I'm going to show you some scriptures. Get ready to write them down. Isaiah 31. Isaiah 31. Verse 1. Let me find it here. Oh, y'all don't have... It's not... Okay, you have to use your Bibles tonight. I was going to show you in a different... A different translation. That's okay. We're good. We're good. Psalms 31. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. Now, first of all, remember Isaac when everybody was going to Egypt because there was famine in the land. And so everybody was moving to Egypt because that's where the, the money was. That's where the jobs were. And remember, the Lord said, Isaac, you stay in the land that I promised your father. And it says that Isaac did, and he became very rich because he stayed where God. It says he sowed in famine, and he became very wealthy. Read your Bible. It's in Genesis. So it says, woe to him, to those who go down to Egypt for help. That's like Egypt stands for the world, to go to the world for help. And rely on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. It says, woe to those. In other words, that is it saying that they, they trust in horses because they trust in chariots because there's a lot of them? You know, a lot of people think if it's a crowd, then it's God. You know, well, they got more people, so it must be that must be more God. Well, then, like I said Sunday at the church I was preaching at, then Disney World would just be the most anointed place on earth. Not the happiest place. The most anointed. Because they got more people. The casinos. Now, thank God we don't have any because we've stood and believed God in our city. But you go to North Balford. How many times do you drive to Saskatoon and you go by? doesn't matter what time of day. doesn't matter what day. There's a bunch of cars in that parking lot. And every time I see it, I say, in the name of Jesus, there's going to be cars like that in the churches. And this is going to be empty. That's an awakening. That's an awakening. But they go, they trust in chariots because there's many. They trust in horsemen because they're strong. Listen. If you don't learn to trust God, then you will be easily swayed to do different things. You know, you'll go where, oh, well, this job. You know, I talked to a man today, and he, he left his livelihood and went to work somewhere because he could make twice the amount of money. Is he happy? Well, he, the only thing he says he's happy is that he's making a whole lot of money. Well, money doesn't bring happiness. Now, if God told him, which I don't even know if the guy's a believer, so I don't know that that would even enter in. But you got to be where God says. you got to do what God says. Amen? Because even like David and I, if you're living in the, under the poverty level, you'll be blessed and you won't have any needs. The Bible says, I've never seen my righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. God will make a way. Listen, thank God for the Cree Indians. Harold, thank you. 
but they killed moose and we had meat. You know, meat's your most expensive thing that you buy. So we had meat. And then it came uh, summertime and I'm telling you, the farmers were bringing us potatoes and carrots and we didn't have to spend a lot of money at the grocery store. Thank God, because we didn't have a lot of money. But God took care of us. Amen? He provided for us. Listen, he sent ravens to feed the prophet. Didn't he? By the, the, the stream, by the creek there at Cherub. But then the time came that he said, go up. I've got a widow woman that's going to provide for you. Now, listen, religious people start thinking like this. Well, why, would God, why wouldn't God pick the richest person? up there to provide for the prophet why didn't he go to the wealthy purpose why does he go to the widow that doesn't have anything that's getting ready to die why does god have her have to pre feed the preacher because god wanted to bless her god had a plan she's the one that needed the blessing amen when god asks you to do something no he's wanting to bless you He's not ever taken from you. God does not take away. God gives. God's a giver. He's never. If God ever requires you to give something, whether it's, uh, you know, financially or whether it's your time, your labor, whatever it is, let me tell you, you're going to be blessed. God's going to bless you because that's his nature. That's how seed time and harvest. He set it up in Genesis, didn't he? He says, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat. <laughs> he said, these are going to be as long as the earth remains. So, in other words, as long as the earth remains, we've got to do it God's way. We've got to plant seed to have a harvest. If we don't plant, we don't get. You cannot get a harvest by just staying in your house and praying for it. And so what do you do? Well, listen, there was times we didn't have money, but we had clothes in our closet. We'd go get clothes. We'd give our clothes away. We, you have something to give. You'll have something to give. So praise the Lord. That's not, that's not us. It says they didn't look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. That's a problem with people today. Many times they decide what they're going to do, and then they ask God to bless it. We need to seek the Lord. He knows, he knows your destiny. He knows your path. Doesn't the word say that he'll direct your path? He will. But you have to seek the Lord. Go to Psalm 20. Praise the Lord. And there are so many scriptures. I'm just giving you a few. Psalm 20. Verse 6. It's rising is from one end of the heavens. That's not right. Let's just a minute. Oh, I'm in 19. Duh, okay. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. Amen. Amen. He will answer him from his holy heaven. Amen. Amen. With the saving strength of his right hand. Some boast in chariots and some in horses. But we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen. But we have risen and stood upright. Amen. Some trust in horses. Some trust in chariots, but we remember the name of the Lord our God. 
Listen, the name of Jesus is above every name. There's nothing greater than the name of Jesus. And we remember that name. And if you go through the scriptures, the names of God, every one of them have a particular thing that is right for you. It's good for us. Amen. Whether it's he, he calls himself healer, he calls himself deliverer, redeemer. Those are all names that he calls himself. And he's trying to tell us, I'm all that you need. Whatever you need, I'm, I'm that. You're in Psalms. Just turn to Psalm 44. Verse 6. For I will not trust in my bow, nor will my sword save me. But you have saved us from our adversaries, and you have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted all day long, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Amen. Amen. You know, today people have a tendency to say, you know, I'm a hard worker. Look what I did. Look what I did. That's a, that's a prideful attitude. It doesn't glorify God. Everything we do is because God has anointed us. God has, God has given us a very breath in our body. We cannot get up in the morning and breathe unless God gives the power to us to have a breath. Amen? He is our life. And so we cannot boast. We cannot trust in the bow. We cannot trust in the sword. Those were weapons. But we, this is saying don't trust in things that the world has to offer. Trust God. Now, you can use things. You can use your bow and you can use your sword, as the Lord says. But look, look in the, look in the battles in the Old Testament. I mean, what about Samson who had a jawbone of a donkey and killed thousands? Do you think he went, this is the most powerful jawbone in all of Israel. This. This jawbone. We ought to manufacture this, market it, and everybody can have a jawbone like this. Because it's powerful. No, he knew the jawbone was only powerful because there was a God behind it. Amen. He might have been skilled in using a jawbone, but you cannot kill that many people just because you're skilled. No, the Lord did it. Amen. And we see testimony where God didn't even need men or women to fight. The angels came and killed everybody. Glory to God. God will fight your battles. Psalm 49, you're right there. Verse um, 6. Even those who trust in their wealth and boast in the abundance of their riches. <laughs> None, no man can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him. You can't, you can't buy salvation. You can have great wealth and go to hell. But you can have great wealth and go to heaven. If you don't trust in your wealth. See, money is not wrong. What's wrong is covetousness. Isn't that right? The Bible doesn't say the root of all evil is money. Now that gets quoted. And it's funny. I, 
I've heard like celebrities quote that like they, you know, well, the Bible says the root of all evil is money. No, I, you know, you might be like me, but I talk back and go, no, it doesn't say that. Like they could hear me. The love of money is the root of all evil. Amen. So if we start getting covetedness, if we start coveting other stuff and we covet, well, I want a big house like they have, and I want a car like they have, and I want a boat like they have, and I want a cabin like they have, and I want whatever, I want jewelry like she has, and I want that gets you over into the love of money, and you are in big trouble. One of the commandments is thou shall not covet. So we have to watch it that we can have money, but we don't need money to have us. So, you know what? If you can't, if you can't handle money, then you're better off not to have a lot of it. But if you'll just trust God, you'll get in the Word, meditate on the Word, He'll show you how to do it. Amen? So you can do it with integrity. You can do it with excellence. You can do it with a clean heart, a pure heart. You can do it where you'll be a blessing. Isn't that why God said, Abram, I'm going to bless you so you'll be a blessing. Amen? So God wants to bless us to be a blessing. Praise the Lord. Romans 14, we're going back to um, not of faith. See, see, these people that we just read about, they were saying that they had faith in other things. They, they had faith in horses. They had faith in chariots. But those who had faith in God were the victors. Amen? All these things, listen. All these things will end. They'll disappoint. They'll break down. They'll rust. But the word of the Lord will abide forever. And the Lord Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave us. You're never without God. And then Jesus was leaving the earth and he said, I'm going to send you a helper. The Holy Spirit. And he will lead and guide you into all truth. So we not only are never without Jesus, we're never without help. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. Amen. Amen. Romans 14, verse 13 says, But he who doubts is condemned. Well, let me, no, that's, I'm reading verse 23. I wanted to read in context. Let's see. Romans 14, start at verse 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Now, this is, I want to show you this, that this has to do with faith. This is not just rules. This has to do with using your faith. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Isn't that interesting? Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ has died. You know what that's saying? Because I love that if this person doesn't believe that, you you know, maybe they say, well, we don't eat meat. Well, if I love them, I don't go and try to cram meat down their throat. I let it be. So I do without meat when I'm at their house. Why? Because I love them. 
And because it offends them. And I don't want to offend. Because love never offends, right? Praise the Lord. So, therefore do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who walks in this way serves Christ, is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. So, you know what that means? If I offend you, then it becomes evil. Amen? So, if we're walking in love, we won't offend. Love doesn't offend. And love never takes offense, by the way. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith. And whatsoever is not from faith is sin. Well, I read all that. That's, that's in context. It's talking about eating and drinking. And, and for you, maybe it's not. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. But if it offends or causes someone to stumble. You know what? When you become a Christian, you quit living for yourself. Like I've told you, you know, a famous Christian woman wrote a book one time. It says, I got to be me. Well, she caused a lot of trouble to the church because she had to be her. You know, when we become servants of the Lord, we just have to lay down some stuff. For Jesus. And it's not. If you love Jesus. It doesn't become like a hardship. It's just what you do. Amen. If that means I never do this again. Because it causes someone to stumble. Isn't it worth it? To keep them in the love of God. To keep them from from falling. Or, or stumbling. Amen. I have to understand. It's not about me. It's about serving and glorifying god amen so for you it might be okay but if it causes your brother to stumble you know when when we go to the philippines they put stuff in front of us to eat that sometimes we don't have a clue what we're eating sometimes we do and it's gotten more american in the years but i remember the first time i went i had no clue what i was eating most of the time it just came. And my husband had already told me, you eat everything that they give to you, and you smile, and you act like you love it. And I said, okay. And so I would take a little bit of everything, because that's what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to take a little bit of everything. But what was happening, if you'd eat it, then they'd come give you more, because you must like it. So, I learned to just leave a little. Because if you ate it all, they think you really liked it, and you must want more. Well, if we said, no, we don't eat that. I'm telling you, I grew up in, in the South, 
we're shrimp, you know, they sell shrimp on the roadside. So we learn to peel and, you know, we can peel shrimp fast and stuff and, you know, eat all the shrimp you can eat and we peel that stuff. Well, we're in the Philippines and this is my first trip and the pastor says he, they're apologizing for giving us crab and shrimp because that's all they had because they lived by the ocean. And we're thinking, man, where we live, I mean, we pay big money for crab and shrimp. This is wonderful. But then he's in heaven. I sort of say, I hope he never hears this, but he's in heaven now. But don't let him hear this, Jesus. But he had really dirty, long fingernails. And he, they put the shrimp on the table, and I take them, and I start to, you know, peel my shrimp like I know how to do. He goes, no. Pastor, I will do it for you. I said, no, no, I grew up doing this. I'm, I know how to do this. I can do it myself. No, I would never want you to do that. Let me do it. And those dirty thumbnail going down and peeling that shrimp. And I looked at David like, please don't make me eat this. <laughs> can I say I don't like shrimp? <laughs> can I lie? <laughs> I knew I couldn't, but I, I'm telling you, I didn't want to do that. But the love of the Lord. And you don't want them to be offended, so you just pray. When tuberculosis was in Loon Lake, we were we were picking up 30 kids at a time in the back of the pickup truck. And um, tuberculosis, that's when we first got there, they said it was in every house. And so David had said, whatever they offer you, Brownie, you take it. So these kids had, this is before plastic bottles, they had one of these big... Uh, glass orange pop bottles and you know they were typical little kids with you know stuff coming down and they're all taking a drink and then they say pastor brownie have a drink and i was going (laughs) oh jesus but the love of God said, take a drink. Oh, man, I was praying. I curse any tuberculosis is not coming in my body. And help me, Jesus. <laughs> well, this is what it's saying. But if you can't do that with faith, it's sin. Whether it's eating, drinking, whatever, whatsoever is not of faith. This is a big statement, church. The church of the living God has forgotten this. That we're to walk and live by faith. The just shall live by faith. That's what Habakkuk said, right? The just shall live by faith. Well, Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, you can't please God. That you must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So without faith, you can't please God. No matter how much work you do, how much things you give up for God, no matter how much money you give, no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you read your Bible, if it's not in faith, you're not pleasing God. But this is a cool thing. Didn't Paul say in Romans that we've all been given the measure of faith? And so we, we have something to build on. We have, it's like you have muscles in your body, but if you want to build those muscles, you have to exercise them. And if you quit, you're given muscles, but if you don't use them, 
They don't get bigger. They don't even stay the same. They atrophy, don't they? They, they, they shrivel. That's how your faith is. If you don't use it, if you don't feed it, but you use it, you feed it, you read the word, you believe it. Faith comes by hearing. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so we hear what Christ says, and that builds faith. Amen? So the more we hear, the more faith we have. And we keep building that faith muscle. Amen? Praise the Lord. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Psalms. Well, no, let's go. Let's, let's quit that right now. Let's just quit that. Quit that old stuff. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of Christ. That's Romans ten seventeen. What, what kind of faith comes by hearing the word of Christ? The kind that Jesus said, have the faith of God, Mark eleven twenty two, Right? Have the faith of God. Now, in some, some translations, it says faith, it says have faith in God. But if you go and you look at it and you read it, uh, well, I can't read Hebrew or Greek. But I can sure read a lexicon, or I can read a Strong's Concordance. And it really says, have faith, have the faith of God. Well, what's the faith of God like? That's the, good, that's the faith that created the world. That's the faith, no matter what Stephen Hawking says, bless his heart, he needs to be born again. He says there is no heaven. I just think, brother, there is a heaven. And there is a hell. And you don't want to go to the hell. He needs somebody to believe God. I just, I just, not, you don't need to get mad at him because unbelievers don't know. The Bible says they're blinded. So pray for them because he has a voice. And people who have a voice, they need to know Jesus. But I'm telling you, no matter, I mean, the Beatles said they were, they were more popular, they were greater than God. That didn't work out so much for them. John Lennon says, imagine that there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. Well, that's just crazy. I'm sure John Lennon found out. I don't know. I don't know where John Lennon is. It's not my business. But I do know he found out there is a heaven. And there is a hell. So popularity, that's the world system. That's what I'm saying is you can't be compromised. You can't be in the world. You have got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you start thinking like God. You see things like God sees them. You know, God doesn't care. Well, I shouldn't say he doesn't care. God's not concerned that the gas prices are up. The same God that gave you gas when it was, for me, 25 cents a gallon. For some of you, you know, I don't know what it was, but it was cheaper. But I, I had to believe God when it was cheap. I have to. It's the same God that he doesn't say, oh, man, I stopped with that gasoline stuff at a dollar four. So you're on your own. 
No, he has it. This is not supposed to affect the body of Christ. We are supposed to see it from God's point of view. He sees it like up here. He looks down. You know, when you're in an airplane and you look down, and you look down on the city, you just see the lights and you see the beautiful mountains and you see the rivers. You don't see that there's people down there that are that are having trouble that day. And you don't see that there's somebody being mean to somebody because you see it from a, a point of view that God sees it, that everything's going to be all right. Amen? So do all have faith? Not all have the God kind of faith. But we have. He said, the Lord is faithful and I will pray for you. God will strengthen you. Remember Jesus said to, to Peter, Peter, Satan has wanted to sift you like wheat. He said, but I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. You know, it's time that we rise up and start praying for one another that our faith fail not. Not just praying for yourself, but let God direct your prayer. And you get somebody in your heart and you say, you know what? Instead of gossiping and saying, well, they, you know, they went out drinking again or they, they went back to doing this. or Instead of that, say, I need to pray for them that their faith fell not. Jesus prayed for Peter, but it sure looked like Peter's faith fell, didn't it? I'm sure he could have been the talk of the town of all the Christians don't you think they had something to say? Even though they all ran away, he at least stayed with Jesus. But don't you think they were all going to be hard on him? You denied the Lord. But who preached that wonderful message that day after the Holy Spirit came in the upper room and 3,000 people were saved? Who was that? That was Peter. And why did that happen? Because Jesus prayed for him that his faith would fail not. Even when you've disappointed yourself and the Lord, you can still rise up. Because we know the Bible says that he ever intercedes for us. He's at the Father's right hand, and he's praying for you. But we ought to pray one for another, amen, that our faith fail not. That we won't ever be counted with those that have no faith. That we won't ever be accused of having unbelief and being hard-hearted. That we are, we are known as people of faith. God wants us to rise up and be people of faith that we're not moved. That no matter what happens, we're just steady on. And the only way we'll do that is if we really do believe that God has got everything under control. That he wants the best for us. That he's already paid the price for us to have everything we need. And that he is able to keep us. And that good work that he has begun in us, he's able to perform it until that day. That good work. God's begun a good work in each one of you. You're not going backwards. You're going to go forward. You're not going down because you've got to go up. You can't be losers because the winner's inside of you. You're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who strengthens you. You cannot lose. You cannot, there is nothing in you that is created to lose. Amen. You look at the giant and you don't see how big he is. You see how easy he is to bring down. Because why? How dare you uncircumcised Philistine 
come against the army of the Lord. We ought to have that attitude. What do you what do you think you're doing, devil? You can't put sickness on me. You can't steal my money. You can't steal my relationships. Who, who do you think you are? Oh, he talks big, but if we renew our mind, then we have a we just say, "Listen, Mr. Devil. Can I tell you what the end of the book says? I got some news for you, Mr. Devil. You lose. We win. So give it your best shot. Because I'm going to get you. The old saying, go ahead, devil. Make my day. I'm looking for a devil fight. Amen? I'm not saying I am, but they come anyway. <laughs> you don't have to go looking. They come. So we're going to have the God kind of faith. If it wasn't possible, Jesus wouldn't have told us to have it. If it was hard, he wouldn't have said. It's not hard. The, the way of the transgressor is hard. That's what the Bible says. The way of the sinner is hard. But the way of the Lord is easy. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So if it's not if you it's not easy, if it's not light, you better check it out. And go hook in with Jesus. You're trying to you're trying to pull that stuff by yourself. You got a bigger ox, you got a bigger one than you that wants to hook in, put that yoke on, and go with you and carry that thing. I don't mean Jesus. I don't mean to call you an ox, Jesus. But you know what I mean. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's stand up. Do all in this church have faith? Amen. Amen. What kind of faith? What are we going to do? Exploits. Greater works. We're not going to give in. We're going to push through. We're going to press in. And we are going to reach our destiny. We're going to finish our assignment. So that when we stand before the Lord Jesus one day, he can look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. That's, that's your destiny. That's what God has for you. Praise the Lord. Let's close our eyes. Let's, let's just uh, pray right now. Father, I pray for your people tonight that we will be truly believers who believe. That we will not waver. We will not quit. We will not give up. But we will press in. We will rise and say, we're going for God. We will not go the way of the world. Father, I pray that not one person in the word church, I pray that their faith will not fail. Not one. Not one. Thank you, Jesus.